and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is a very, 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 very close friend of mine, a best friend of mine, Adam Fisher. Um, he's had quite a lot of changes, actually. He's gone from running a restaurant to a call center, and now he fights financial crime, all down in the big smoke, and he's a northern lad. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello. How's it going? All right? Yes, very well. Thank you very much. We've done our regular catch-up, um, just talking about our fancy NFL and me quashing Adam's worries about being on a podcast. It's his first one, people. It's his first one. <laughs> yeah, the nerves might be showing. Right. So I know all about you because I've known you for, what, 10 years, maybe more, something like that. FYI, Adam uh, was one of the co-best men at my wedding and I'm doing the same it is. Adam, we know we started at a restaurant and then we went to a call centre. Let's talk about those from the start. Yeah, so early on. So I started in a restaurant. I actually got the job uh, when I was still 15, but they wouldn't let me work until I was 16. It was a part-time job while I was at college. And it only ever... So how can you have a job and not work? Uh, they signed me up, but I couldn't start my first shift until I was 16. So I had to wait oh. about six weeks before I could start my first shift. But they were kind enough to put me on the books. Really. Yeah, so it was a part-time job. Uh, always intended to be a part-time job. Um, as I was going through college, bit of beer money. Um, but I never had any interest in going to university. So when I finished college and didn't know what to do, um, I stayed on the restaurant full time. Um, and I progressed through every single role in that restaurant. So I started off as a pot washer, then worked as a chef, uh, then moved to a waiter out front, then the bar when I was 18, uh, and I finished as a tutor manager. Um, and at that point, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have a, a degree or, or higher education to, to guide me in a, in a career path, but I wanted to do something a bit more um, adventurous, a bit more of a career role. Uh, and at the time, um, I probably would have stayed on, but the management that were in the restaurant at the time, uh, it, it didn't fit how I wanted to work. Um, it, it changed over and, and I wasn't happy there. So that kind of forced my hand. Um, and I moved on uh, and, and a complete career shift and, and worked for a call centre for a bank. Um, still up north. Uh, and spent a few years in the call centre, and again, I, I progressed from the basic level to a, a deputy manager. And I kind of got to the end of my career path in that contact centre. One one thing I remember about you working there is, just doing something on a Friday or a Saturday night, and you convincing somebody to cover your shift, yet the morning after... At silly o'clock in the morning, like half past five or six, we had to get up, drive to the other side of Sheffield to pick them up and then take them to work. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. So we were still fairly young at that point. And, and obviously <laughs> going out and having a drink on a, on a Friday afternoon is, is one of the most important things you can do. And the only <laughs> way I could get the time off was to take or pick this girl up and take her to work for me. Initiative. It's true initiative, that. <laughs> yeah, they were, they, they were the days. So why why did you go from the restaurant to the call centre? Was it just it was just a job that's got a bit more longevity to it? Yeah. So like like, like I mentioned, I, I kind of made that 
decision to to try and focus on a career sort of job. So a bit of job progression uh, and try and move up the ladder a little bit. I got to do it managing a restaurant and, and I could have potentially uh, moved on a bit further, but um, I, I, nothing really excited me higher up than I currently was at that place. And I thought, while I'm still young, I've still got the time to start off at the bottom somewhere else and work my way up. Because I didn't have the... Uh, a university education to not necessarily fall back on, but sometimes it gives you a little bit of a step up the first one or two rungs of a ladder. So mm-hmm. took that move to, to do it early rather than later. And like I said, the, the, the management at the time in the restaurant changed and it kind of forced my hand. But for, in, a, in, a, in a good way, it, it got me out of that rut that it's quite easy to put your blinkers on and say, oh, I've got a job, I've got money coming in. Uh, it's easy to stay there, but it, it forced my hand a bit in the mood. For the better. Um, yeah, I worked at the contact centre. Just a normal call centre role, uh, and it was for a bank. Uh, but I knew at that time that working for a big corporation, there's many possibilities and many different avenues you can you can go up. Um, but one thing that never really interested me was being a people manager. I didn't want to do the whole annual reviews and tell people they're not doing as well as they should be doing. That, that never really interested me. So when I got to the deputy manager role that I was in the contact centre, the only step up from that was people management. So you, you're getting more and more removed from the day-to-day activities. So you didn't want to be that, that guy who does that TV show called Call Centre? Oh, gosh, I didn't have that much energy. <laughs> like you say, the, fr- the Friday night beer session uh, made me a bit rather drowsy the next day <laughs> rather than that, that exciting. <laughs> Uh, but it was good fun, uh, and again, you kind of get caught up in the culture, and a lot of people say when you work in a call centre, uh, and, and probably similar to that TV show actually, that it's not the most uh, um, enthralling job in the world. You, you, you sit talking to people all day, every day, asking the same questions every single time. But You're going to get people like me who ring up and complain when something goes wrong. That's it, yeah, yeah, and uh, you try and hang up on your book. We're not allowed to anymore, so... <laughs> or like you when you complain about your TV licence. Yeah, they send a few nasty emails off. <laughs> Always ask for somebody's name, that's my tip. Always ask for somebody's name, and you can put it in an email to complain about them. <laughs> but you get caught up in the culture, the culture in the contact centre, and I think in most contact centres, is good, because they're quite high turnover sort of jobs, so you, you tend to get quite a young sort of population of people. And it's a good, it's good fun because it's mind-numbingly boring at your job, and then on your lunch hour, everybody's uh, picking each other up, and it's good fun. Uh, so again, it's quite easy to sit in that culture and stay there. So I think I stayed at the contact centre for five years, and it got to the stage of, what do I do now? Do I uh, stay in this role? Do I look to do something else where I am, or, or do I just try my hand at something different? Uh, I was quite fortunate uh, that a position opened up um, that I'd been already emailed for. So I, I was actually uh, on holiday um, during the, the, the uh, application period of this job, but the, uh, the guy who was offering the job kept it open an extra week for me so I could apply, rather nice of him. Yeah, so I, I decided just to throw myself out there and do something I've not done before. A uh, bold move because it, it meant I'd have to move to London. Uh, moving from Sheffield to London, quite a big decision. And I was still fairly young. I still think I'm fairly young now. Uh, but I was still How fairly... long was that? 
Oh, that was four and a bit years ago now. Is that where it's been? Yeah, four and a half years. So I was in the contact centre for five, so I've nearly, nearly been in this role for just as long. And, and that was a big move. It, it was huge. Uh, as, as you know, Dan, we had a very good friendship. Um, I'm still what you just said had. Yeah, I don't know, not past tense. We have a very good friendship. But we, we, we used to do a lot of things as a, our group of people. We used to go out on weekends and uh, do a lot of things together. And, and it, was, it was quite hard to... Uh, to not step away from that, but but have that distance between it to make it harder. Uh, and, and you miss your family as well. Uh, and I actually moved down without my girlfriend. So everything was against me uh, at that point. How many times did you think about not going? Uh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. It, it was 50-50 for quite a lot of the time. I'd applied. I, I, I applied in, that, in a heartbeat and then... Because what, what it was actually was a secondment role. So it was a, a year secondment, which meant after a year, I'd, I would come back to my previous role in Sheffield. So I knew I had that comfort blanket of coming back after a year. But my intention always was to, to do this, uh, learn some more skills and stay down in London. I suppose that's quite a unique position. Well, it is a fairly unique position to be in to have, because a lot of people making a jump from a, from one role to another or a different career is that, Sometimes it's shit or bust, um, and they've got they haven't really got a set in it to fall back on if something doesn't go right. As where you've got this sort of grace of going and doing this, well, it's an, a really, really, really great thing, which is a completely different role to what you're doing. As well as having the safety net of, well, if if I don't get kept on after this after this year, that you come back and the worst place you're ever going to be is where you were. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I was never going to be without a job after a year. Um, I, I didn't have to commit to staying down here for life. It, it was always my intention to stay down here. Um, and if I did go back to Sheffield um, after that year was up, then I would have moved role because I've had the taste of something different, um, a different career path, and I'd have wanted to follow that. Um, so I wouldn't have wanted to go back to the centre. So in reality, I had it, but I, would, I would, wouldn't have gone back to that role. But yeah, yeah. it was a nice comfort blanket. Yeah, so yeah, quite a few times, 50-50, that I'd, I'd applied for it straight away. And then ev- everyone around me gave me fantastic support, you included, Dan, um, family, friends, um, all supportive, um, all all coming to visit, uh, offering to come to visit at that point, should I say. Um, so that gave me the confidence to go for it. Um, and one of the big things that was playing on my mind is that I'm, I'm, I'm a lad, still fairly young, um, working in a contact centre in Sheffield. I've never worked in London. You've got this con- you've got this idea of London of being a very harsh environment to work in and, and harsh management and, and, and so on and so forth. So I didn't really know what I was stepping into. So I was quite, I was quite worried. Um, and exposure to senior management and things like that. When, when you're in a, in a, like a satellite office, uh, not near the head office, you don't see those sort of senior managers but when they were walking around the office, that was quite a big thing for me to get over. Um, but what the feeling, the added pressure on your shoulders, and people always looking, just looking over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that especially that, with much more seniority. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And for one thing, it was a completely different role, and I'll go into it in a second. But I was doing something that I didn't in myself. I wasn't fully confident that I could do it properly. So I had to go down there and learn a new role while all these, like you say, senior managers were looking over my shoulder. I, I, I didn't know what they were looking for me. So I, I didn't want to 
It's, I think that's what people call imposter syndrome, where you feel like you don't belong and you don't, you're not good enough to be there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And it's just, it's something that I've always felt that I've, I think a lot of people do, but you don't feel... Me, I'm included in that. Yeah, yeah, you do your best, and people are always telling you you're doing well, but really deep down you think, oh, I don't know if I am, I don't know if they're just saying that. So, yeah, I, that that was a big thing, and, and I decided to do it, moved down for the year. One of the hardest things is trying to find a place to live in London. It's, and then paying for the yeah, <laughs> where you're going to live. All that, moving all your stuff down. Uh, and for me, it was another jump as well because this is the first time I'd lived away from my parents' home. So, of course, yeah. I just I'd not clicked on that. It was the first. You, you like people always worry about moving out and staying in the same town. You moved to the other end of the country. Yeah, that was my first move. I was lucky. I lived. Uh, I moved down with a, uh, another friend from Sheffield. Uh, so we, we lived together. There was us two and, and two friends he knew from uni. So there were four four guys in the house, which made it easier again. Uh, we had a good life. It was, it was a, what I would imagine a student house to be. So I kind of lived my student years in my working life rather than in my student life because I never went to uni. Certainly turned into a student house when us three came down. <laughs> yeah, there's empty cartons everywhere and cleaning gets done once a month. So yeah, that that was that was all interesting as well. Um, yeah, so the, the job role I went from answering phone calls, doing your normal banking services as anybody would mean in any any banking contact center to a back office role um, and as you mentioned at the, the top of the podcast fighting financial crime that's what we do so that's stopping criminals launder the proceeds of crime through our bank uh, which in turn protects customers as well um, that's what that's what I, I do now and that's what I have to learn to do and the, the reason I, I so you were, you basically got that role having never ever done any of that, so that must be a steep learning curve, not just for knowledge but process as well. Correct, yeah, yeah. So the the, the reason I got offered that role um, was because I, I'd thrown myself into things because I'd already got in my mind that I wanted to do more, want to do something different. I'd say yes to stuff when I was still in Sheffield in the contact centre that I, I wouldn't ordinarily do, not being a confident guy. I wouldn't ordinarily put my hand up and say, oh, yep, I'll offer to do that because it's, it sounds really tricky. It's something I've not done before. So I, I started doing a bit more of that. And I started getting noticed a little bit from people in London because I was doing stuff on behalf of them. Um, so they needed something customer-facing uh, and, and I would be the person that did it for them. So there were always tricky things and nerve-wracking queries I had to deal with, but it put my name out there. Someone knows. Does that include the stuff when you went to Essex for a bit? Was that before you moved down? Uh, yeah, that was before I moved down. So I did I did a couple of months working in Essex. Uh, that was something slightly different, but that was one of those sort of scenarios. That, that was the same moment in time when I would put my hand up volunteering for stuff that I'd never done before. So that went yeah. from doing a banking call centre to, work, to, to a call centre in share dealing uh, and having to learn stocks and shares and talking to brokers and all that sort of thing so that that was a a step up in itself and that was just i suppose it's getting it's getting noticed by people uh down south where it's it's worth it more isn't it getting noticed by the people in the head of the corporate definitely absolutely definitely that's one thing i've I've, the biggest thing i've taken away so far is uh getting your name out there like the corporate speak is like building your brand uh, I don't particularly like that phrase, but getting your name out there. So if you do some work, someone knows you've done it, um, and then your name gets branded out there. Someone wants a job doing it for you. It gives you more opportunities then. 
Because a lot of people that I've um, had on the podcast, or a lot of people that I know, they've not done this transition where they've gone from being employed to uh, from being employed by one to being employed by another. They tend to have made the jump into being self-employed. So, and still, the, a key point of that is getting your name out there, being known, being basically, like I say, building a personal brand or building the company brand up. And you're but you're doing the same thing whilst in employment. Yeah. It, it, to gain further employment. It's, yeah. It, obviously, it's, it, it's probably slightly easier because I'm still getting paid while I'm trying to build my own brand in my employment. Uh, where self-employed, obviously, your, your wages are dependent on that. So there's a slightly different aspect to it, but it is the same concept, yeah. Getting your name out there for people to know you're the person to go to for, for, for this thing. Uh, and that's what did it for me. I, I, I worked on a, a quite a big case um, and it got me noticed and, and the, like I said, the manager at the time actually extended the, the deadline on the application because I was on holiday because he actually wanted me for that role um, as long as I had agreed to it. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd done the legwork in, in Sheffield. I'd, I'd, I'd spent six, eight months building a, my profile up outside of Sheffield um, and then it paid dividends when this role came, came about. Yes, I moved, moved down London uh, and then learning curve shot up vertical mainly uh like i say because i was doing a role that i'd not done before i was working with people i'd never met face to face on a sports over the phone i was in a different city london of all places i've never been to london once before it's it's a mythical place when you live up north isn't it yeah so i i i felt like i had a lot of pressure on my head even though the, I'd, I'd soon learned that the manager that I was working for was an exceptional guy. He he knew what I was capable of, and he he brought me in to help me, build me, train me, uh, which gave me a fantastic leg up. Yeah, so head down, worked hard, um, and like I said, I've been down there four and a half years now. And because my secondment was only secondment and was finishing in a year, and I didn't want to move back. I actually um dog just gone mentally background. <laughs> Tea's ready. Lunatic. Yeah. Um I, I actually I actually uh applied for a full time role while I was in London, which was doing a very, very similar role, still within financial crime, but for a business for for a different business unit. So I, I was covering private banking, I went into corporate. Uh, which was a shift in itself. It's dealing with a, a lot of different customer types, but you are still apply, employing the same rules as I was doing in that role just so you know every time we've said financial crime I see a guy stood in a suit with pound signs all over <laughs> with his hat with his fists on his hips that is it that is it with a bowler hat on that's what I wear to <laughs> we're, talk, we're basically talking about Riddler here aren't we <laughs> I, have, I have got my Riddler my Riddler fancy dress suit I should wear that to work oh of course yeah change, change his pound signs instead of question mark I think I'd get arrested on the door when I walked in you're in London yeah there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot weirder people than you wearing a green costume. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Uh, they don't take kindly to uh, alternative dressing in, in a big corporate in London, unfortunately. Well, maybe not. No, maybe once you get inside the doors, it might be a different story. But certainly, anyway, there you'd have a laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a few funny looks, which I think I can handle. Nothing more than I normally get. Yeah. So then, uh, th- this other role that I was in. I, I enjoyed that, but I did want to get back into private. That's where I wanted to be. Um, I wanted actually to work under the same manager that brought me down to London to start with. So right. after about, 
I think it was about eight months in that role. I moved, I moved back into the role I usually came into London for. Uh, is, is there a big difference between private and corporate? Yeah, there is. There is. Um, like I say, it's the same. Um, well, obviously, I know there is in on from looking at the outside in, but I mean, internally. Yeah. So it, banks are built in different divisions normally. Um, so so private, it, it's mainly aimed at giving experience and exceptional customer service to those wealthy clients corporates obviously you've got people that go out and help people build businesses or people on hand 24 7 to deal with their stuff and you've got your, your, your personal bankers so yeah it's financial crime we only operate within the boundaries um of, of what the government and various bodies put out there um, so it's the same rules, but they, they, they're done differently because risk is different in different business units. So it, it was very good to see how it's done in one place and see how it's done in another business unit. So you, you, you get the variety and you know what works and where it works. So that, mm-hmm. it's quite good. Yeah, and, and, and I've gone, yeah, I've, I've had quite a few opportunities in this place. Um, I, I'm been there four and a half years uh, and in this current role, Back in private. And just talking about putting your hand up for stuff, Adam would put his hand up to do something that ended up involving me. I am no athlete, but involved me and Adam and two other friends doing a triathlon. I'm very, very thankful for you agreeing to do that. Yeah, that was yeah, great. which was <laughs> excruciating. It was- um, so basically, Adam, Adam had the opportunity to go out to, uh, to India. For, was it for about 10 days or something like that? That's the one, yeah. So he, he to go out with uh, with work to a to to India to do to build this rehabilitation center for children. So he needed to raise some funding uh, for some donations for charity, didn't you? And you got to raise X amount to be able to go. So he said, "I'm going, I'm going to do this triathlon." So he invited one of the one of the. There's actually there's pretty much just four of us, isn't there? We class ourselves as really close friends. He asked one of them, and then us two jumped on and said, "Why don't you ask us?" Like be almost being a bit jealous that he'd asked one and, said, and not all of us, and said, "Well, let's do it," and then soon realised that it was one of the worst decisions we've ever made. <laughs> all the all the training, the blood, the black toenails from running for all that distances, and then cycling, swimming. Whoever thought? I, me- I remember taking a photo one Saturday morning, and it was it was before eight a.m., and we'd be already been swimming in a lake outside. I'll never forget my first time seeing you in a wetsuit, Dan. I got a bright pick, a great bright pick swimming cap on, isn't it? Yeah, very attractive. And then Kyle looking like a seal. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just one example of Adam putting his hand up for stuff. He gets to go to India and he'll do something amazing. Yeah, it does. It, it gets you far and wide. I, I, I've always said that. If, if even if you don't feel comfortable doing something, I went to India with a lot of strangers and, and came back with a very good friend with quite a few actually. Good. Came back without a voice. I did actually. Yeah, I lost my voice. Still managed to drink a few beers. So. <laughs> yeah, so that's the last. Well, that that is my career. I've only ever been employed by two two employers, but I've moved quite a lot within both of those and travelled quite. Because it's, it's, some people often just kind of go up a bit is where they get promoted or they do ever a slightly different role. But you've gone from just general inquiries to being the manager of that and uh, managing your team at the call centre to then doing something in like t- tasting the waters down south in shares then going to private 
financial crime and then into corporate and then back to financial and just going forward from there. Because I know there's been a bit, you've had, there's been a, a promotion to where you are, hasn't there, at the minute? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, st- I started off as a, as a, uh, like I say, like a trainee as such. Um, they brought me in on, on like a trainee sort of level, um, and then like what I did, and, and I went up from there, which is which is great. Um, and, and it's good. I'm I'm still putting my hand up for things now that I wouldn't know ordinarily like to do or, or have the confidence to do. Uh, never stops. You can never stop doing things, and it makes it makes your job interesting as well. I always find. Out of everything you've sort of learnt or come up against since, well, since really the call centre, I guess, what's what would you say is the biggest advice when you're going from, when you're making such a, a big sort of transition? So the example of from the call centre in Sheffield, your hometown, to the capital of the UK and working in private and corporate. Yeah. What's the biggest thing you come up against or the biggest bit of advice? Uh, the biggest bit of advice... I would have to say is really widening your comfort zone because what you do every day you'll be very good at what you do every day it's sometimes stepping outside of that box and just having the 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 guts to try something else even if it doesn't turn out to be anything try it always put your hand up and ask for things the worst that someone can ever say is no and you've not gone back at all you've just not gone forward which is not a bad thing like I said earlier in the show, that it was actually one of my earlier guests. They said that if you go and do something, ending up back where you were, the the, the worst thing is that you you where you started, which I think is a great analogy. Yeah, it, it is that. It's exactly that. That people can only say no. You you, you can't really go back any further. You just you just don't get that step up. And what I always tend to sort of end these interviews on is quite blunt. It's just, is it worth it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would say so. Um, I, I am starting to miss family and friends. Um, if I could do this job in Sheffield, that would be absolutely super, supreme for me. Thoroughly enjoy my job. Really miss friends and family. So it's it's again that that way up and uh, on, on what do you do for for the rest of your life? Um, starting a family, hopefully in the next four or five years. Do we really want to raise kids in London? So again. The, the career, my life was led with career early on, but now my life is like leading what my career does. <laughs> so it's trying to tie that all in as well. But again, it's 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 you've not really it's not just been a career a, a, a career switch, has it? It's been a it's like a big journey that's it's almost coming full circle now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a, 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 north to south, south, south to north. A, 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 yeah, changing my lifestyle basically, moving out, um, learning to walk at 100 mile an hour in London with elbows out, as everyone does. Reading on a train stood up. There's some fantastic skills I've learned while I've been down here. <laughs> Fantastic skills. Reading on a train stood up, win. Yeah. Write that down. Life goal, That's done. It. Done, take. Done that one. Uh, but yeah, um, the, the, the time um, is probably coming over the next few years to to look at what can we do up north. Um, and, and then we'll we'll see where that goes. I'd I'd, I'd thoroughly love to stay in in the sort of roles I'm in. Unfortunately, that doesn't usually exist um, up north. But that's not that change over the next couple of years. That could be the one that changes it. <clears throat> I know. I know just from knowing personally that you, there's absolutely none of it you change at all. No, because it's just been great. I mean, after a couple of years that you, you get your girlfriend, who's now your fiance, moving down with you, and that's that gets rid of some of the. Because living in the capital is quite lonely, isn't it? And having 
I mean, the, the other half down there is a massive plus point. And then when everybody else comes down to visit, like we are in a few weeks, winning, it's a great, it's great. Yeah. It's better for us, actually, you living down there because you know where things are. Yeah, that's it. Total guys for a few days. Look, yeah. It, it's been, it's actually been really good to, to, I think it's, it's widened all our eyes for like getting out in different cities and things as well. So when you guys come down, it's fantastic. We, we, we feel like we're on a holiday as much as you guys do. Adam, thank you very much. Not a problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of The Turning Point. I've been your host, Daniel Moore, and our guest today has been my brother from another mother, Adam Fisher. And remember, together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much.